Joel, Seth, looks like you had fun with those announcements. Well, for our message today, I want to start off with a scripture. We're going to read from Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2. Here's how it starts. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And, you know, I want to tell you a story. So have you ever taught your kids how to ride a bike? We as a family, we love riding bikes. We started doing it as a family a few years ago when Lee broke her toe. She actually kicked her toe into Joel's drum stool and uh, unfortunately broke it. And so all the stuff she loved to do in the summer, she couldn't do. She, you know, she loved to play tennis, but she couldn't because she couldn't put her broken toe into closed toe shoes. She loved to walk, but it was too painful to be doing that for long periods of time. And so I already had a bike, Joel had a bike, and so I got Lee to try the bike, and she loved it, and it didn't hurt her foot, so we took up biking as a family. And since then, every summer, we look forward to it. We just love going out on the trails. We love going out particularly on the waterfront trail in Toronto. We're really looking forward to that opening up again or us being able to go down there again this year. And uh, we, yeah, we just, we just really enjoy biking. But to get to the place that we could enjoy biking, you have to learn to ride a bike. Now, you know, if you're a parent, you've probably taught your kids to learn a bike and kids learn it in different ways. But, you know, with, when we were teaching Joel how to learn to ride a bike, one of the things he struggled with was steering. Actually, Seth struggled with the same thing. And, you know, both of them, they're smart kids. They understood that, you know, if you're riding a bike and this thing falls over, you're likely going to get hurt. And so they didn't want to fall off. But then it made them believe that the bike was in control of them. And so when we were teaching Joel how to ride a bike, we came up with this saying, and it's, you are the boss of the bike. And we would say that to him to remind him to steer the bike, you know, and that he was the one that was in control. Because he actually was believing at the time that the bike was in control of him. And so if the bike went in the wrong direction, it was the bike's fault. Or if it fell, you know, if it tossed him off, it was the bike's fault. And, but once he learned how to steer that bike, how to point it in the direction that he wanted it to go, how to turn it, you know, then he had control. And it was pretty easy to learn to ride the bike from there. You know, for us, you know, I, I, I tell this story because often we, with our thinking, you know, don't realize that we're in control of that as well. And you know, the God, like that bike, if the rider on the bike doesn't steer it, you know, it's going to take you somewhere unhelpful. It's the same thing with our thinking. We have been given a mind that you know, all is part of God's design for us is that we get to control our thoughts. We get to control what comes into our mind, what goes out of our mind, what we think on, what we dwell on. And what we think on ultimately steers where our life is going to go. How we perceive the world, how we perceive God, how we perceive any situation is dependent on what we dwell on. It's the same with our emotions, our feelings. You know, how we, do we see situations as a glass half full, a glass half empty? All these things are controlled by how the type of thoughts we allow into our mind. And so, as we just read in this scripture, God tells us that we have got to put our mind on the things of heaven. We've got to put our mind on, on 
God's reality, not our old reality. You know, this, this thing is, we are the boss of what we think about. I'm going to say that again. You are the boss of what you think. You get to control it. You get to decide what you spend your time thinking about. You get to determine what you dwell on. You know, when I was little, I loved biking as well. You know, back then, I would get on a bike with my friends when we were really young, and we'd bike around our neighborhood, and then we got to, you know, we we got to bike to the store, and then eventually, we'd get just to bike all around the parks and pathways. We'd get on the bikes, and we would just go. We'd be gone for the day. But one time when I was riding my bike, I was, I was there and I was riding and I turned around and I'm talking to a friend who's behind me. So I'm not looking at all where I'm going. I'm looking behind me and boom, I run into a parked car. Next thing I know, I'm like on the boulevard, on the grass there and like what the heck happened? You know, and, and that's, you know, the same way I ran into a car with my bike because I didn't look like where I was going. The same happens with our thinking. You know, if we are constantly looking at our past, we're going to have no idea where we're going in our future. And it really, this comes down to, are, are we going to look at the things of heaven and our, who we are as a new creation in Christ? Or are we going to dwell on our old earthly self? Are we going to have self-centered thinking or Christ-centered thinking? If we think in our old self-centered ways, we're never going to step into the things and live from the perspective that God has designed us to live from. Our mind will continue to be on the absolutely wrong things. So that's why God's saying to us, we've got to think about the things above. We've got to think about the things of heaven. We've got to have God's perspective in our mind always. Well, that car I ran into, fortunately, it was back in the day when they actually made cars out of heavy metal and steel. The bumper on that car was steel. And so the only thing that was really hurt was my pride. The car, I wasn't, I wasn't too damaged. The car, I, the car wasn't damaged and we were able to move on from there. But you know, when our, when our thinking is off, when we're not looking at where we're going, when our focus is not on our future, it's not on who we are in Christ, we're not looking at things from God's perspective, it's, it's really easy for us to get derailed, to get knocked off, for, for us to not live in the fullness of the things that God has for us. So we don't want to focus on who we were. We want to focus on who we're becoming. You know, we want to be thinking on the example that Jesus has set for us, how the early church lived out their life in Christ, how the rest of Scripture reflects who God is. We want to be dwelling on the goodness of God. So there's some other powerful things we've got to take into account. We've got to take into account ideas. We all have ideas. And our, our ideas actually end up controlling a lot of what we perceive in the world. And when we have ideas, our ideas start being shaped about world and the li- our life right from young. We learn them from our family. We learn them from school. We learn ideas from media. We learn ideas from friends and from society around us. And they really are they're the framework of how we ultimately view the world. And ideas become very difficult for us to change. Once we become set, we you know, we talk about someone being set in their ways. They've uh, adopted a particular set of filters that they view life from, and they're unwilling to examine them or change them. And ideas are a, a very powerful force, not only in an individual, but they're a very powerful force in society. You know, ideas in an individual outside of God, they often don't change except for having a major crisis like a mental breakdown. And in a society, ideas often don't change without a revolution. 
within that society. And we look at Jesus. When he came, he came to a Jewish society that had particular views about God and about the Messiah. And he came and he was confronting those ideas. Who he was, you know, didn't line up with their ideas about God, about how, who the Messiah was supposed to be, how the Messiah was supposed to act. And so they were so set in their ideas, they actually killed him. And that's how powerful ideas are. Images as well are extremely powerful. If I talk to you about a Nazi flag or a Canadian flag, both of these things bring a whole lot of different ideas with them. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. And, and it's very true because a picture not only gives, it triggers a whole lot of ideas in our mind, but it also comes with a lot of, of emotion attached to it. You know, the, the picture of a cross, what it symbolizes, that is one of the most powerful symbols, you know, in the world. And it, ha- it brings with it all kinds of ideas depending on who you are. And we've got to be willing to confront our ideas with the reality of who Jesus was, with the reality of scripture. We've got to be willing to challenge our ideas. We've got to be willing to allow our God to come in and change them. While outside of God, ideas are difficult to change, w- with God, we can bring about change in our ideas. And God wants us to bring about change. But we only can bring about this change by us actually engaging with God, with us engaging with Scripture, with us being willing to confront how we view the world with how Scripture says the world is. We need to be able to look at Jesus and how he lived and who he was. We've got to be able to learn and study. And this is where thinking is so important. You see, as Christians, we are meant to think. We're meant to have, we're meant to be able to take scripture and meditate on it, to think about it. We're about, meant to be able to compare, you know, what's in scripture with how the world is, how our lives are. When we need to deeply think about things, we need to deeply think about God. We need to deeply think about our relationship with him. We've got to be willing to meditate on scripture, to read it so that we can live it. Because if we don't, we're never actually going to confront the ideas that we have. And ideas are everywhere. People have, I've confronted people with ideas that there was only one Bible, the King James Version, that's the only one that you're allowed to read. And it didn't matter what I said to them, their ideas were so set that they're like, no, I will only go to a church that reads the King James Bible. But throughout history, we've had all kinds of ideas. People had ideas about baptism, that there was a particular way to do that. And Christians in the past killed each other over these ideas. We had ideas about the structure of church. And, you know, the, the, the Roman Catholic Church was the only church until Protestantism came about. And again, people were killing each other over these different ideas. So ideas are incredibly powerful. The crazy thing is, is that these images and ideas, they, they can so blind us to reality. I mean, how can you be fighting over God and killing one another as followers of Jesus? It goes absolutely the opposite of what scripture says. But a lot of what happens in our life and a lot of what happens in Christian culture is actually opposite of kingdom culture. It's the opposite of how God tells us that we're to live. And we've got to be a people that are willing to confront our ideas and perception and allow God to change them so that they line up with his kingdom. And this is a lifelong process. You know, we're always going to be confronting ideas. We're always going to be being challenged, having our behavior challenged by scripture, having the way we think challenged by scripture. And this is a good thing because we want to be on this continual journey of becoming like Christ.
We should be willing to admit humbly when our lives don't line up with what Scripture says they should be and be willing to change our life so that it does line up. None of us are perfect right here and now, but that's not an excuse not to change and become more and more like Christ because we're meant to live here on earth as it is in heaven where we are willing to obey God, where his will is being done in and through our lives. And that only happens when we're willing to change, when we're willing to submit, when we're willing to have how we perceive the world confronted by God and and change the way we think so that it lines up with him. But we're never going to know it if we aren't dwelling on, on the things of heaven. It says in the first psalm, that, you know, blessed is the person who follows the, the uh, who delights in the law of the Lord, who dwells on it day and night. That's what we're meant to do. We're meant to dwell on God's ways. We're meant to dwell on scripture. We're meant to dwell on the example in Jesus. It's something we should constantly be bringing to mind. It's something we should be thinking about. It's something we should be talking with other people about. It's something that should be prominent in our lives. This is is such a huge part of spiritual formation for us. It's not something that happens by accident. It's not something that happens without us actually choosing to grow. And so in this confronting ideas, we don't not only have scripture, but we have the example of people that have gone before us. We have the example of Jesus. We have the example of the early church that we find in scripture. But we also have many people over the, over the last, you know, 2,000 years that have followed Jesus and whose examples that we can follow. You know, there's books we can read now to study. I love, like, for example, studying books on the first century church by people like N.T. Wright, who are these authorities on and have spent their lives and dedicated their life to understand the history and the context of the New Testament. You know, it's, it's in, well, not just the New Testament, but scripture as a whole. So that we can put, you know, we can put the words of the Bible and understand them the way they were meant to be read, the way they were meant to be understand, understood. This type of study and inquiry is so important for us. And I know a lot of us don't have the time to do the kind of in-depth study that someone like an N.T. Wright can, but we can benefit for books that he's written. We can benefit for things like the Bible Project that helps us understand how to read the Bible, help understand you know, how to put it in context, understand how it's written. All these things are, are things that are so helpful to us as we're learning to be, for, be formed to become more and more like Christ. And as well as, as countless other authors that we, that we can look at and read and we can benefit from their relationship with God. And so all these things are essential for us. You know, our fight, it's not against flesh and blood. It's not against human beings. It's against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world. And it's against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And, you know, because of that, you know, because we are we, of, of the reality of that there is this spiritual fight we're in, it's why we've got to constantly be going back and allowing God to, to our mind to be filled with the things of God, for us to be meditating on Scripture, learning to live it out, you know, meditating on how Jesus lived, comparing it to how we live, so that the enemy never gets a foothold in our life. All that Satan had to do with Eve is give her one powerful idea. And that powerful idea was that she couldn't trust God and she had to take care of herself. She had to disobey God. She shouldn't trust God. She should do things her own way because that was what was going to actually take care of her well-being. 
For us as followers of Jesus, you know, this is the type of thoughts that we're confronted with every day. Be self-sufficient. Be dependent on yourself. You make your own way. You know, you can't trust, you know, you can't trust God. God is there, but, you know, he wants you to make your own way. Whereas God's saying, no, actually, I want you to come to me. I want you to be dependent on me. I want to be that good shepherd that leads you to quiet waters. I want to be the one that restores your soul. I want to be the first one you come to when you're in times of trouble. I want you to know that I will always be there for you. We're meant to live these incredible lives. We're meant to live like Jesus did. We're meant to have our characters like Jesus did. We're meant to be empowered by the Holy Spirit the same way Jesus was empowered. And if we don't confront our thinking, if we don't change our thinking, if we don't line it up with the things of heaven, if we don't understand that God wants us to live a life right here on earth as it is in heaven, you know, obeying his will, empowered by the Spirit, doing the same things that Jesus did, then we're going to live mediocre lives. We're going we're gonna to live far short of everything that we're meant to live in in this kingdom. And I don't want to live that. I'm sure you don't want to live that. So let's take seriously this thing of allowing God, us becoming more and more like Christ, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us, for us to partner with God, to be dwelling on the things of God, to be learning scripture so that we can live it, learning from the examples of others so that we will be completely transformed. We're meant to have God's thoughts in us, to live from his perspective, to learn to see his creation and to see ourselves from the same way that he sees us. Let me pray for us. Lord, I just thank you for everything you are doing in our lives. I thank you you're bringing our attention as a church to this need to have our spirits formed, to become more and more like Christ, that we would have the mind of Christ. And I pray right now for everyone that's, that's listening, that's participating with us. I pray that they would have your plans for how they can take the next steps, that they would be able to carve out the time in their life, prioritize that time to be in scripture, to be spending time with you in prayer, to be allowing you to come in and bring transformation in their life so they can live with a completely new heart, the heart that you want to give them. They can live with the new mind that you want to give them. I pray just a blessing over each and every one of us. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. I trust that you have been wonderfully encouraged this morning. Remember to join us during the week for our midweek prayer meeting, for our different life groups, and for all the different things that are going on. Remember to just check the weekly email. And if there's anything that we can pray for, or if there is anything that you do need, please just remember to contact us on info at lifehouse.ca. God bless you. Have a wonderful week and remember that you are the priesthood of all believers and you have a vital role to play at this time in history. Bless you and we will join together again soon.